turned it on this morning. Can you hear me? Are we good? Last week I was asking everybody if they can hear me and I didn't even have it on. <laughs> so, so that's good. Please, if you would, open your Bibles to Ephesians 5 as we continue our exposition through the uh, book of Ephesians. So thankful for everybody that is here today. In my prayers in the morning, I ask that God would bring those who he wants to be here today. And what a blessing to have each and every one of you here today. And what a privilege it is to bring God's word to God's people. What a blessing that is. So let's pray and then we'll... We'll dig in. Father, we just thank you that we can come and open your word. Lord, that we can come and open your word, not being persecuted for opening your word, not being persecuted as we preach your word. Father, we know that there is in Canada, a law trying to be passed, Lord, that would go against the sexual immorality that is so rampant to preach against, Father. And we just ask, Father, that this law would not be passed, that you would have your hand in it, Father, that people would see their sin and their need of you. Father, we ask that you would Strengthen those pastors there. Strengthen your church there, Father, to follow you no matter what the cost would be. And Father, I pray that too for Faith Bible Church here today, Lord. That we would be a people, Father, that would follow you no matter the cost. That we would hold fast to your word. That we would believe the songs we sing, that you are our salvation, that you are our king. And that glory would be to you, our great God. So, Father, today, show us your glory. Show us much of Christ. Eclipse me, Father. Help me as I go through your word. Lord, your people need your words, not mine. Father, I ask that your people's ears would be opened. Their eyes would see and their hearts would receive your word fully. Again, I always pray, Father, that you would convict us where we need to be convicted and encourage us where we need to be encouraged and lift us up, Father, to see the glory and the beauty of Christ and his cross. So I pray these things, Father, that you would be glorified. Amen. So today we're going to look at, our title is Walk in the Light. As we looked at last week, we looked at verses 1 through 7, and we looked in this area of imitating God and what it's like to be an imitator of God, and he tells us that we are to be imitators of him as we walk in love. And so we saw how we walk in love last week. We saw how we walk in holiness, how we are to have this holiness within our sexual immorality, how we're not to be uh, any partakers of it. We're to have this uh, purity within our sexuality. We're have this purity within our speech. We're not to have any filthy language. We're not to have any coarse jesting or coarse joking. We're not to be partakers in any of this. So Paul continues that same exposition 
But now he's going to tell us to walk in the light. Psalms 119.105 says this, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. This is walking in the light. It's walking in Christ's likeness. This is what Paul is going to uh, start to uh, unwind here and, and, and what we're supposed to be actually doing. So look at Ephesians 5. Look at verses 8 through 14 is what we're going to deal with today. Here's what the apostle writes under the inspiration of the Spirit. He says, For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. So the first thing as we walk in the light that we want to look at today is that there's a distinction. There's a distinction that Paul talks about. So we, we, we see this distinction in 1 Corinthians also where Paul talks about not being unequally yoked. 1st or 2nd Corinthians, I can't remember, but unequally yoked, right? What has light in common with darkness? What has Jesus in common with Belial? What has believers in common with unbelievers? And we saw that, that when we looked at that passage, that, uh, that there's nothing. There's nothing in common. Light has nothing in common with darkness. But we see a distinction here. In, in verse 8, we see this. For at one time, you were darkness, But now you are light in the Lord, walk as children of light. So the first thing I want us to look at is we were, who we were. We were at one time in darkness. We walked in darkness. So what's that mean? That means at one time, Satan was our father. We only have two areas in, in the world, right? We have those who follow God and we have those who don't. We have those who God is their father and we have those who Satan is their father. You're either following God or you're following who Satan is. Listen to what Jesus says to the Pharisees in John 8, 44. He says, you are of your father, the devil, and, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So at one point in time, we were darkness and we and Satan was our father. And so what did we do since he was our father is we followed his plan. We followed his plan. Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, which you once walked. This is what you were doing. You were following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now in the work of work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. So we followed his plans. We followed the prince of the power of the air. He was the one that influenced us, even though we would never say that he was influencing us as unbelievers, but the reason why we never saw it is because we so align so easily with him. 
It's like when God saves us, that's the difficult thing, right? All of a sudden, we change everything. Our heart changes, but it aligns everything in alignment with God. And so that's going to be absolutely contrary to everything else in this world when we're aligned with God. But when we walk in darkness, when we were in darkness, the world loved us because we were aligned with them. Not only were we Satan's children, but we were under God's penalty. We were under God's penalty. Romans 1.18, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and the unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness they suppress the truth. It doesn't say they don't know the truth. It says they suppress the truth. They keep it suppressed. They don't want to acknowledge it. And the wrath of God is coming out. His white-hot wrath is against the ungodliness. Ephesians 5, 6. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. The wrath of God comes upon those who are disobedient to God disobedient to his call, disobedient to Christ. They walk in this darkness, and their destination was an eternal darkness. It's eternal darkness. That's the destination. 1 Samuel 2, 9. He will guard the feet of his faithful ones, but the wicked shall be cut off in darkness, for not by might shall a man prevail. The wicked will be cut off. Their destination is eternal condemnation. It is hell. This is their destination. Second Peter 2.17 says this, They are waterless springs and mists driven by a storm. For them the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved. He's talking about false teachers. But these are those who do not know Christ. Excuse me. Those are them who do not know Christ. And then in Jesus, Jesus talks about this place, right? Jesus talks about this place, and he describes hell as a place where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth and complete darkness. So imagine that place. Imagine a place where you are totally consumed by God's wrath, continually on fire, completely dark where you can't see your hand in front of your face, where all you hear is weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's how Jesus describes hell. That's those who walk in darkness. That's their eternal state. That's exactly where they are headed. That's their end. And it's not a, a, a place where, where you'll be annihilated. No, you won't be annihilated there. It's not annihilation. This is where you will reside for eternity. Praise God that Christ came and take our sin away, that we would not have to go there, that he died that death. He took that wrath so that we would be children of light. And this is who we are now. We are light in this world. Ephesians 5.8, right? But now you are light in the Lord. Walk, there's the command, walk as children of light. This is how we are to conduct, conduct our lives now, is in the light and the glory of Jesus Christ. This is how we walk. We are light because Christ is the light of the world. John eight twelve. 
Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. Isn't that beautiful? Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And again, in John 12, 46, Jesus says, I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. Brothers and sisters, we are light. We are not in darkness anymore. This is not who you are. You do not walk in darkness. You do not walk in death in the trespasses of our sins. We do not follow the prince of the power of the air, the spirit of disobedience. No, we are light because light is in us. We walk as children of light because of what Christ has done for us. We are light in the Lord. 1 Thessalonians 5, 4 and 5. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. 1 John 2, 9 through 11. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. We are light in the Lord. If you have any hate for your brothers or sisters in Christ, whoa, hold on. You better check. You better examine yourself. So first, that's what Corinthians tells us. Examine yourself to see if you're in the faith. Because John tells us here, no, if you walk in the light, if we are Christ, we love our brother. We don't hate our brother. Walk in the light. Walk in the light. Since we're children of light, secondly, what it does is it produces fruit. It produces fruit, right? This is what the apostle tells us. Ephesians 5, 9. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. So we have this fruit, right? Okay, so this fruit is what? All that is good. All that is good. All this goodness, all this generosity is what he's talking about. This is what the word means, this generosity. Romans 15, 14, uh, the apostle writes this, I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness filled with all knowledge and able to instruct one another. 3, John 11. Beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. This should be characteristic of every believer. A characteristic, as we walk in the light, that should be our characteristic. They're good. They're generous. They're kind. We are filled with goodness because we are filled with the light and that light is Jesus Christ, and he is what? Good. He's the only one that's good. But we should reflect that. Is this going to be a goodness that is perfect goodness? Absolutely not. It's not going to be a perfect, absolute goodness. In addition, he says, all that is right, this fruit, all that is right, righteous, fair, equitable, having integrity, you know, this integrity of, of doing the right thing, this righteousness, walking in right wiseness, right? Philippians 1, 10 and 11 says that you may approve what is excellent 
and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. It's not a righteousness of our own. It's a righteousness that is given to us from Jesus Christ. We are clothed in his righteousness. He has taken our unrighteousness and given us his righteousness. He has taken us, he's taken our filthy rags and robed us in his righteousness. We are righteous in his sight, so we should walk in his righteousness. 1 Timothy 6.11, but as for you, O man of God, flee these things. This is what we are to pursue, righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, and gentleness. As we walk in the light, brothers and sisters, this is what we pursue. Is this the pursuit? Is this what you pursue in life? Do you pursue righteousness? Or do you pursue what the world wants you to pursue? That's a question you have to answer to yourself. All that is right. The believer practices righteousness. Righteousness should be what we have a habit of doing. 1 John 2, 29. If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. 1 John 3, 9 and 10. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. Sin is not our practice. I love this because he doesn't say we're not going to sin. He says it cannot be a practice. It can't be our everyday habit. We can't do this. You know, go out to the golf course. I hit balls after balls after balls, and I go on the putting course because I practice, I practice, I want to get better. Hey, we shouldn't be practicing sin to get better at it. Right? We should be practicing righteousness to get better at it. That's what we should be doing, and that should be our heart. Remember last week when I talked about how we have to get the gospel right? See, if we don't get the gospel right, all this stuff that we talk about is just flat-out legalism. It's us trying to earn our own way to heaven. When we get the gospel right and we see that God has accepted us in spite of us, this should be our heart's desire is to practice righteousness. Not as a means of being accepted, but as a means of already being accepted. Verse 10 says this, By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. So the fruit so far we see, all good, all right, all that is truthful. All that is truthful. We are to be truthful people, right? Ephesians, if we turn back and we look in our Bibles at Ephesians 4, uh, verse 25, it says this, Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. We're to be speakers of the truth. And why are we to be speakers of the truth? Because of the light that lives in us, right? John 14, 6. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth. And the life, no one comes to the Father except through me. So as we walk in this light, we produce the fruit. We produce fruit. And we will have discernment. We will have discernment. This word means to, 
to test, to prove, to examine, to scrutinize. We need to have discernment. Even within sermons, brothers and sisters, you need to scrutinize me. You need to test me. We need to be like the Bereans. We need to be in our words so that we can detect things. If I say something, you'd be like, oh, hold on a minute. That didn't sound right. Don't take everything that you hear or read. We need to be discerning, discerning about things in this world. Romans 12, 1 and 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing, there's our word, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Christ lives in us, brothers and sisters. The Holy Spirit dwells in us. He gives us discernment. He gives us discernment in what is good and right and truthful and all that is acceptable to God. All of that is. 1 Thessalonians 5.21 But test everything. Hold fast what is good. 1 John tells us to test the spirits. Right? We are to be those who test, who are to be discerning. We need to use this, you know, four-quart, whatever, gray matter that we have, that God's given us. We are to be discerning. So ultimately, when we look at these four things, we ultimately get a person who is of excellent moral character. Their character is excellent. When um, we took my dad on a trip and we went to the Football Hall of Fame, and, um, and so we went into this one thing where they had all these really cool lockers, right? They had all these great guys, and, you know, the only great guy that mattered was Dan Marino. But anyways, they had all these great football players and everything. But then they had this little thing where they had, like, holograms of people come up. And Vince Lombardi came up, and this is what Vince Lombardi said. I remember this because I thought it was excellent. As he talked to his players, he told his team that they need to strive for perfection. And if they strive for perfection, then they will be excellent. And that is what we need to do as believers. We need to strive for perfection. And in our striving for perfection, we will be excellent. We won't be perfect, but we will be excellent. Because we walk in the light. Third, Paul gives us a directive. He gives us a directive. Look at Ephesians 5, 11 and 12. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. So there are sins that people do that we don't even want to talk about. They are that grotesque. But he says that we are to take part, not to take part in them, Take, part, take no part, this is a command, to have no fellowship, no intimacy with the unfruitful works of darkness. Listen to what Psalms 1, 1 and 2 says. Blessed is the man who walks, in the, who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on this law he meditates day and night. 
the psalmist is clear. You are blessed when we do not walk or stand or sit in the unfruitfulness of darkness. The psalmist again in 26, 4 and 5. I do not sit with men of falsehood, nor do I consort with hypocrites. I hate the assembly of evildoers, and I will not sit with the wicked. He makes it very clear what his heart's desire is not to do because he knows God. Proverbs 4, 4, 14 and 15. Do not enter the path of the wicked and do not walk in the way of the evil. Avoid it. Do not go on it. Turn away from it. Pass on. We are to take no part in the unfruitful deeds of darkness. Take no part. Have no fellowship, no intimacy. Here comes where it's even tougher. Is that Paul tells us that we actually are not to participate with a so-called believer who is walking in darkness, who is practicing unrighteousness, who is practicing sin. This is tough. Romans 16, 17, I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause division, create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them. And again in 1 Corinthians 5, 9, 10 through 11, I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people, not at all meaning the sexually immoral of this world or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters since you would need to go out of the world, right? We are going to come in contact with people that are sexually immoral, right? That are greedy, that are swindlers, that are idolaters that are in the world, that are in darkness. These are the people we evangelize to. This is the whole thing that's going on in Canada, right? The whole thing that's going on in Canada is they're going to make a law that says that you cannot evangelize to homosexuals or transgenders. You can't can't evangelize to the sexually immoral people. But that's not what God tells us. We are to evangelize to them. We're to show them the glory and the beauty of Christ to turn from their sin. But here's what he says. This is the tough part. But now I am writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother if he is guilty of sexual morality or greed or is an idolater, reviler, drunkard, or swindler, not even to eat with such a one. We are to call them to repentance, right? We are to go to them. We are to confront them. We are to have care for our brothers and sisters. That is what we are to do. 2 Timothy 3, 4, and 5. He's talking about these false teachers, that they're treacherous, they're reckless. They're swollen with conceit. They are lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness, but they deny its power. He says, avoid such people. It's clear what he wants us to do with people that are practicing and walking in darkness. We are to expose them. This word expose means to reprove, convict. It's a command again to shine the light of Christ into a sinful world, into people's lives, even in the church. We are to shine the light of Christ. We're to show the mercy of God. We're to show compassion on them. This is what we are to do, brothers and sisters. We are to be just like Christ. 
because he is the light that lives in us. Proverbs 9, whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse, and he who reproves a wicked man incurs injury, right? But listen, do not reprove a scoffer or he will hate you. Ha, reprove a wise man and he will love you. Yes, reprove a wise man and he will love you. What a beautiful thing. You see, he says, when we go out into the world and we expose sin for what it is, people are going to hate you. People are going to revile against you. But the wise man is going to love you. The wise man is going to love you. This is what we do with Matthew, right? When it's church discipline, if your brother sins against you, go tell him his fault between you and him alone. And if he listens to you, you have gained your brother. Man, what a gracious thing that we can go to a brother and sister who is in sin and graciously sit with them and mercifully and compassionately with much grace, knowing the grace that God has given you and sit with them and draw them back to Christ. Wow. 1 Timothy 5.20. And so this is what Paul charges Timothy to do. As for those who persist in sin, rebuke them in the presence of all so that the rest may stand in fear. We're to expose, we're to bring that light into a dark world. This is the, the exposure to the light. The exposure to the light, look at Ephesians fifteen or 5.13. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible, right? Pretty simple, right? It really does. When we walk into a dark room, what do we do? Hey, I'll, I'll tell you what I do. I fumble all around. I really do, you know. I mean, sometimes I'm going to, you know, throw my wife under the bus here. But sometimes you, you can shut me off. You got the controls up there. So, but sometimes, you know, she gets up really early and she'll come into the bedroom and I'm kind of awake and she'll like bang and clang stuff. And I'm just like, just turn on a light. <laughs> that's all. Just turn on the light. But that's what we do, right? When we go into a dark room, we don't go in there and try to figure it out, right? We flip on a light. And what does the light do? It makes everything visible, right? It, it's really simple. It makes everything visible. And that's what we do, right? And so there's going to be two responses to when the light comes on in people. There's going to be two responses. Here's going to be the first response. There's going to be a hatred of the light. They're going to hate the light because of what the light exposes, right? Proverbs fifteen twelve: a scoffer does not like to be reproved. He doesn't like it when the light comes on. He will not go to the wise. And in John 3, 19, Jesus himself says, and this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. This light had come into the world. Jesus brought light into the world and they loved the darkness and they hated the light. And so what did they do? They tried to extinguish the light. They tried to snuff the light out on a cross. But what Satan didn't realize was that on the cross, the light got brighter. He didn't snuff anything out, but he made it brighter and it exposed even more and it brought people to embrace the light. So you either are, are a hater of the light or you're going to embrace the light. 
You're going to see what the light exposes. Listen to Psalms 141.5. Let a righteous man strike me. It is a kindness. Let him rebuke me. It is oil for my head. Let my head not refuse it, yet my prayers continually against their evil deeds. What the psalmist is talking about here is he loves it when the righteous man comes and corrects him. That's what Proverbs tells us, right? The righteous man, the wise man, loves correction, loves rebuke, loves when the light comes on and exposes their sin so they can repent of that sin. When sin is exposed by the light, it loses its hiddenness, but it reveals its hideousness. It's, it's hideousness. That's what it reveals. It reveals the trueness of sin. When the light comes on, it shows how dark and how wicked we really were. Brothers and sisters, this is our walk. Since we are light, that light is continually every day exposing the darkness in our own lives. It exposes that. It shows us. It reveals our own wickedness, our own idolatry, our own sexual immorality, our own filthy speech. It reveals all of that, our own covetousness. When the light is on, we need to keep that light burning brighter so that we will clearly see more and more and we can repent of that sin and we can be like King David. We need to be like King David in Psalms 139, verse 23. He says, search me, O God. This should be our prayer. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me, know my thoughts. You and I have to be sure that we do not let the light dim in our own lives, but keep the light brightly burning that those among us might see that light and that we will be continually chasing that light. And finally, we have the call. We have the call. Look at Ephesians 5.14. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. So awake. This is the call. This is the call to the unbeliever. This is the call. What are we saying? Awake. Come out of your darkness. Wake up. Throw the light on. Put the spotlight on your life and awake and get out of the darkness. And come to Christ. Do not stay in your spiritual slumber, but awake and see God's grace. And brothers and sisters, we have to go with the gospel of light and we have to present the gospel of light to those who are in darkness or they will stay awake, they will stay asleep. We have to wake them up with the grace of God is what we have to do. And then we pray that they will rise from the dead, that Jesus will enter their life, that the Holy Spirit will regenerate them, that they will see the glory of the gospel and they will arise and they will, they will repent of their sin and that Christ will shine on them, that God has provided the cure for their sickness and they will see the beauty of the gospel and they will be saved. This is our call. We are to go to those to be awake. But that's not only a call for them, but it's a call for us, brothers and sisters. It's a call for us. The very thing that Satan wants to do, the very thing he wants to do is lull you to sleep with your comfort and ease. That is the idol 
of all of us. There's not one of us that does not like comfort and ease. So he lulls us to sleep. We need to be awake. We need to be awake. We need to be watching. We need to hear of Jesus as he says to Peter and those that were in the garden. Could you not stay awake? We need to be awake. We need to be ready. We need to be discerning. This is what we need to do. We need to be awake. We need to rise from our sleep. We need to be ready for these things so that the Christ will shine in us. May you and I, brothers and sisters, today, may we be awake and arise from our slumber and let Christ rekindle the fire in our lives. We are light in the Lord. Therefore, child of God, walk as children of light. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Just one prayer, Lord. Strengthen us. Strengthen us to walk as your children, that we would walk in love and that we would walk in the light. Lord, do this for us so that you would be glorified in everything we do. Let our lives, Father, honor